Welcome to Crossing Darkness, a podcast about role-playing games ranging from tabletop RPGs like the World of Darkness to MMORPGs like EVE Online and everything in between. I'm your host, Frozen Fallout, and today we have a very special guest, Rowden, who used to FC for Razor and Goons, as well as doing some uh, organizing events for Goon meetups uh, before the pandemic hit. Um, how's the space treating you these days, Rowden? Uh, well, um, I'm not actually flying in space anymore <laughs> these days, so uh, I have, as they say, one eve. I uh, unsubbed my accounts uh, a little over a year ago, I think a year and a half now. Um, part of the motivation behind that was, uh, you know, I, I played a lot more in FC under the old SOV system where, you know, you had to... Uh, drop SBUs and siege a system and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I enjoyed that. And then when they kind of started messing with the mechanics and going to the hacking system and everything else, I just kind of like lost interest in the idea of learning a whole new system and kind of starting over again. So um, that that was kind of a the end of my FCing at that point. And, you know, I carried on for a while doing the uh, industrial stuff, you know, building out titans and everything like that, and that was fun, and, you know, kind of uh, strung it along a little bit when structures came out, because that was something new, too, but um, ultimately that stuff just it couldn't keep me entertained enough to necessarily keep me fully engrossed in the game, where I felt the need to pay for as many accounts as I was paying for and everything, so... Um, yeah, I've kind of moved on to playing other games at the moment, but I might come back to EVE at some point. It's always been an interesting game. So before you won EVE, what was uh, one of the favorite activities that you had in EVE Online? Um, I mean, I'd say definitely the most engaging period was the FC period. Uh, I FC'd through... Um, the Halloween War and, you know, the, well, the, you know, started with Fountain and then we just kind of swept through to create the big blue donut, you know, we started in Fountain uh, against uh, Montolio and you know, that whole debacle and, you know, then just kept on going through Delve and then at the next thing you know it was, you know, taking down the N3 coalition and everything with the Halloween War, so... Um, I have seen all through that, and you know, I I had cut my teeth as a skirmish commander going into the Fountain War. Um, you know, did a little bit here and there beforehand. Um, went into the Fountain War, and then um, you know, there's some interesting stuff with that. And then uh, um, you know, just kind of continued on and went all the way up the chain to being a you know full on uh, super cap FC and everything as well. So. Um, and then after the Halloween war ended that, uh, you know, the next war pretty much had kicked off the, the new change in Saab and stuff with the next big war of World War B or, you know, the casino war or whatever you want to call it. And then that pretty much I was like, OK, I, I don't want to learn a whole new Saab system. I'm out on the FC thing. So, <laughs> yep, no, that's totally understandable. I, I mean, they, they, there was a huge change up. I mean, basically from structure bashing to playing a, a game of hot potato with with uh, sights and just you know tons of interceptors, very very big gameplay change. Um, but what what was one of the things? So bringing us all the way back, what was the thing that got? How did you get into Eve Online? Uh, so getting into Eve Online, honestly, I found it by accident. Like it was, I, I didn't know anybody that played the game. I didn't know anyone that like anything about the game. I hadn't even seen 
any like commercials or any kind of like advertisements online about the game um literally a random find i was looking for something new to play i i think at that point i had been playing you know starcraft and diablo 2 and you know everything else up and up until the point where it was like okay i've played this so much that i've played it to death i need a new game I'm, i want to do something sci- i love science fiction and everything uh, um and what so was the, I, the year that that this was uh either i can't remember if it was 09 or 2010 it was like right on right in there okay so, yep um you know i i joined when i joined eve i think it was right around the time there was like the big war between the like you know original Morsis Mihi Norther Coalition yep. stuff versus the Russians kind of a deal. Okay, yeah, I remember I, that I, war. I remember people when I joined the game, people talking about it, but I was such a new player. It was like this ethereal concept of like null sex space that I was not ready for. I was not like interested because I'm just trying to figure out the game at the time. So um, you know, it was, but it was interesting. I mean, the the I. I just happened to be looking around for a game eve online popped up in my searches for like you know an mmo uh science fiction game i you know rolled out as a trial and you know played around with it a bit and luckily was not one of the people that decided it the the learning curve was too high for me and uh, i did not fall off the cliff so i uh, i kept playing i i found some people in local that were you know nice and talkative and kind of built a little community with my first little in in indie corp that we all kind of did our mining thing in high sec and you oh, know cool. ran yeah. missions and stuff like that and i just kind of had a nice easy progression into the game you know kind of an ideal way that most people would idealize how new players would get into the game so it was it was a good transition i enjoyed it Cool. So, so you you started off with mining. You did some, mm-hmm. you know, so a little bit of mission running and stuff like that. Make up your ish and stuff. When did you start getting into PvP? What was your first like real encounter um, with so PvP? My first my first encounter with PvP was still in high security. So, uh, me and another player by the name of Balkanis, our our corporation was called Shockwave Industries. Um, I don't know where they are now, but uh, um, Balkanis he he had quit playing years and years ago too. Uh, long before I ever quit, but uh, we, um, you know, we had this indie corp going, and it was going pretty well, and we were starting to get bigger, and um, you know, as far as high security corps go, we had you know a decent amount of active players and stuff where we were showing up in a lot of the major mission systems and mining systems and stuff like that to kind of start gaining notice of like the pirate fact the pirate corporations and high security space that like the war deck you know all the indie corps and yeah, stuff like so, code and yeah and yeah so um i don't remember who the first group was they were this small group of like Six guys who were basically, you know, super wealthy old NullSec players and stuff that just kind of basically made their fun terrorizing high-sec guys, you know, with high-level ships that they just couldn't match sort of a deal. And um, that actually became the story of how I got out in a NullSec uh, because a friend of mine, who is still my friend today, uh, in-game known as Battle Hardened, uh, used to fly with Morsis Mihi in Oberon. And okay, yep. he 
quit after Northern Coalition fell, had one E for a little while, and then he came decided he wanted to come back to the game, but he was going to try to mentor. He wanted to do something different, so he was like, I'm going to go to high sec, I'm going to find a small corp that's like decently sized that I could teach guys, you know, a little bit more about the game, you know, maybe null security and all that kind of stuff, and just kind of like have fun with it sort of a deal. And he happened to randomly join my corporation, and then it turned out that we randomly lived about 10 minutes from each other so uh, <laughs> we ended up becoming we ended up becoming good friends and um his experience in nullsec uh he had done some fc work for morris Mihi and everything i guess in the northern coalition war um so he ended up uh kind of rallying our indie corp into you know enough of a cohesive fleet um not with the greatest comp it's what you would imagine like a <laughs> ragtag group of industrials would be able to put together a decent amount of dps from guys that could fly you know some battleships and put on some close range weapons and uh the big advantage was is he knew all the mechanics of warping in and out dropping bookmarks in warp where it's like you can kind of almost warp in on a guy by dropping a bookmark where they're parked at you know things like that where he was really good at at uh maneuvering a fleet around and everything that kind of made all the difference we weren't just a a group of nobodies floating out in space ready to get picked off and um, you know, so we put up a fight, you know, took out a, a ship or two of theirs once in a while, and we didn't care about losing our ships. We were happy and interested in this new part of the game that yeah. we hadn't been uh, baptized in fire in mm -hmm. yet, so it was fun. And um, there was actually, uh, after that group, a different pirate faction, uh, pirate group, uh, uh, war decked us and then we actually took the fight to them at that point because the other group gave us enough experience of doing that that we actually became formidable enough as an indie group that unless you were real high end you know this group was they had skills and they had decent ships but we did too and now we had the numbers over these like pirate <laughs> groups so they'd come out with their eight-man fleet or whatever of decent ship comp but we'd come out with 18 guys of somewhat ragtag with very <laughs> little uh you know support ships but enough dps and everything that we'd just burn them down and so we ended up camping them in their station for like the entirety of the war deck and uh, that was pretty funny and interesting. And then we counter war decked them, camped them in station for like another week, and then we weren't bothered for a couple of months. And that was kind of <laughs> that was kind of funny. I and mean, we we enjoyed that. That was fun, um, you know. So uh, that transitioned me out into nullsec because then battle uh, kind of was like, you guys are competent enough that you should really look at maybe doing that. Um, so was it like they offered you to join up a corporation, or did they offer the corporation a chance to join Razor? So what ended up actually happening was was um, we, uh, Balkanis and I, talked about it. There was some talk about joining out in NullSec first, but we decided to actually go Wormhole because we decided uh, Battle had never done Wormhole before. He said that would be an interesting new aspect to the game for him. So we decided to do Wormhole for all. So we did, this was old school POS living Wormhole yep. style, yep. you know, before the stations and everything. I remember <laughs> my favorite memory when Wormholes first came out was was I was part of uh, Mostly Harmless up north. Sure. Um, and one of my buddies, Kumakuso, he would go out 
And as soon as wormholes came out, he was like, okay, the first thing I'm going to do is explore them. And the first thing he did is he discovered posses that were shut down because it was just recently. So these were recently abandoned, filled to the brim with ships. I remember one time, the best one was when he found one out in, in the middle of wormhole space. It was just like, uh, it was a wormhole that was in the middle of our space, easy for us to access. And it was in that wormhole, there was a, 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 uh, um, this, the system that he was in had a pass that was just recently not powered. <laughs> and he flew in and he's like, there's all these ships. There's like 30 ships here. I need you guys to come and help me. And as we're like taking all of these ships, blowing up all the stuff and taking all the stuff out of it, an industrial warps in with the fuel to fuel the pass. And we're like... Shoot it! <laughs> Blow it apart! The guy, like, sits in local and he just starts screaming at us. He's like, you guys cheated. How the hell did you know that my POS shield was going to go down? I, I literally was to, about to log in. This has only been down for, like, 20 minutes. You must know somebody at CCP who told you, da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. And it was like, dude, man, we just found your POS without shield, so we're taking it, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, welcome to EVE Online, man. Slap <laughs> you in the face. <laughs> Oh, he was so pissed off. Um, yeah, and that's funny because that's actually how we started out too was raiding. So we we that's how we started out. We'd search for wormholes. We'd go in and we'd find these like you know level one to three with high sec connections and everything. And we'd we'd go in them and just kind of explore, see if there's any kind of gas sites that we could try to like steal gas out of people's wormholes, like you know the the, <laughs> the semi lucrative stuff that we could get. And uh, you know we would. Um, you know, try to raid uh, pastas that were down, and you know, we had there's a few of them that we would go in and you'd pop stuff, and oh, you know, here comes shooting out some Tech Three ships and everything. Let's <laughs> let's grab that stuff. So, uh, yeah, we made we made some decent money on that, and that actually helped then fund our own wormhole venture. We ended up in a uh, C four, I believe, that was a like Wolf Rayet star, the the armor boosting star. Um, and those were fairly, everyone wanted the shield stars because of Tengu's. Yep. So, um, the, the, the armor ones were less desirable. And so, um, it kind of, because it was our first foray, we knew it would kind of paint less of a big target on our back. Uh, so we got one that was a C4 with a static, I want to say C2 and a static low sec. So it was... It was pretty decent. We made a decent living out of there, you know, harvested gas, ran sleeper sites for a while and stuff like that. And, um, you know, it was the classic, like, uh, most, a lot of the guys stayed in high sec. They were perfectly fine just running missions and stuff like that. It was mostly the, the corp officers in battle that we all went out into wormhole and kind of did our, our own little thing out there. That was fun. It was, it was fairly stable, little PVP here and there when we'd come across a place that had like people out and we could sneak in cloaked or whatever and hunt them and, you know, stuff like that. But it was a fun little hit and run time. But, uh, the, the ISK volume from that wasn't the greatest because our group was 
our group was disparate and small enough and spread out over enough time zones. It was hard enough to get everyone together to run the sleeper sites that we'd really get real value out of often enough. Yeah, and doing the, the, the like, dread escalation. Yeah. You want to have, like, the, the proper setup with, like, it's like, what, like, four or five guys you really need to, yeah. to do the, the dread escalation. Right, right. And we had that, but just that. So it's kind of like, unless everything was perfect and we could really get everyone online and, like, you know, Battle and I were here in the States, but Balkanis, he's from Poland. You know, okay, yeah, so it's kind of cool. like we, we had these situations where just the time zones did not work out super well for us to run those often enough. I mean, we were profitable, but by nowhere, by no means maxed out. Right. Yeah. And so um, Battle started talking to me and um, about NullSec and that even as a renter corp out in NullSec, there's a chance that we'd probably make better consistent money out there than we would in the wormhole mm-hmm. plus you'd have the security of living in an actual station for your ships and stuff like that yeah, now living out of a pos can feel really awesome yeah. you, uh, so, there's not a very many people probably well, there's a lot of people i probably remember but it's hard for a lot of us to remember and anybody that that came in after the upwell structures like have no idea no how concept. horrible yeah. It is to live out of pos. No like. concept. I mean, just, yeah. Is this my stuff or your stuff? Or what can is whose can? You know? right. yeah. Oh, yeah. Sticking cans on the outside of the structure, throwing yeah. stuff up there. It's yeah, like, all why, kinds, why, yeah. why is there shit outside of the pos? I don't know. Yeah. It's fine. It takes, for, it takes forever to blow up the cannon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. all kinds of fun mechanics. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we, we did... Uh, some of the guys stayed in the wormhole, um, and they actually moved new members into the wormhole with the guys that wanted to stay there the couple of the guys mainly like Balkanis really wanted to stay wormhole he wasn't interested in Nullsec at all so he stayed in there was running that and everything he brought some new guys in that were willing to do that um, and then Battle and I took uh, a sizable portion of the rest of the corporation and we went out and started renting um, actually from Red Citizens under under uh, okay. Red Alliance and we yep. were um I want to say we started out in, I think, Detorid. Uh, and then we eventually... So we started out in Detorid, and then... Um Balkanis and the especially like our high sec guys that were still wanting to run missions and stuff periodically, especially when the wormhole wasn't really like was down as far as sites go, like they had harvested stuff, so it was yep. kind of like dead. <laughs> oh, well, I want to go back and run missions. Well, guess what? We're a part of Red Citizens who's like permanently war decked by every group trying to grab people transporting to high sec and everything. So these guys were having a hard time do it transitioning that like that so um we decided to break up the corp about half of us went out to nullsec we joined this uh group who i can't even remember their name anymore they were just a small a small renter corporation over in tenerifis um i think it was tenerifis uh no it was amencia amencia was where we were um when we joined that corp and uh uh once we went over there uh, Volcanus and I stayed friends, but we kind of like lost touch, and he eventually handed the corp over to one of his subordinates, and he quit the game. Okay, yeah. Um, you know, and that's when he exited. And we've we ran into each other a couple of times where he popped back in, he'd shoot me a, a Eve mail, and I'd shoot him one back, and we'd say hi and everything. But um, you know that we you know never really stayed in touch after that. Uh, 
Um, but then, yeah, we went out, joined Red Citizens, and then eventually even joined Red Legion, which was like the English-speaking group of Red Alliance. <laughs> and uh, Battle and I used to fly around with it was like with controlled chaos and you know all that stuff down in that like galactic southeast area and everything, fighting against uh, Solar Fleet and Red Overlord. Oh and yeah, all that. I remember so, those fights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we participated in a lot of that over over about probably a year or two um i think we were doing that um until solar fleet finally got the upper hand with like i think pandemic legion joined on in a contract and then at that point it was just all downhill for red alliance for a bit and they were getting pushed back and um you know once that once that area kind of folded um then battle talked to me about his old corporation oberon uh, had joined Razor Alliance, and it was basically kind of almost like a, from what he was explaining to me, a Morsis Mihi reboot. I wasn't around for Morsis Mihi, or I, I wasn't with Morsis Mihi ever, so I wasn't aware. But yeah, that's how he explained it to me. Was there's a lot of guys from Morsis Mihi and stuff that he knew that were now all formed up in Razor, and so okay, uh, yep, yep. So we went, uh, we went, and he talked to his friends that still were in Oberon. And him and I went and joined Oberon, and that's how we got into uh, the CFC, as it was still called at the time. So, yep, good old clusterfuck yep. coalition. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> we, we joined them, and I think that was, I think sometime in like 2012-ish that we joined up um, with Razor, and um, you know, that was like my kind of push into NullSec, so... Uh, it was it was a great time, real interesting, a lot of fun learning all the null sec mechanics. So, and is that so? That's when you started uh, really started FCing, or had you been FCing um, all this entire time? No, I, I hadn't FCed at all during uh, like Red Legion or nothing like that. I mean, I uh, back when we were still the high sec corp, I would take guys out as a group to fight like those pirates and stuff, and <laughs> I had like learned enough from um, from uh, battle and everything that you know I. I played a little bit around with, with like FC guys in a ragtag sort of way. Um, but otherwise I hadn't. And even in Razor, um, I didn't FC for a while. I kind of cut my teeth uh, learning NullSec life first and trying to make a living. Plus just flat out training up my character to be uh, a valid enough character <laughs> and enough null sec comps that I could actually be worthy of flying an FC ship and everything like that. So, yep. um, yeah, it took a while before I, I got into the FC uh, seat. Um, that didn't happen until probably about six months or so before the the big fountain war that then eventually led into the, the blue donut making <laughs> Halloween war. So Yep. Okay, cool. Um, so, what are some of the biggest difference? Uh, so, you you have seen you said with with uh, Razor and with Goons. Was there any big differences between FCing between the two groups, or did it kind of feel the same because you were in the clusterfuck coalition? So, you, were you on like? Uh, did you have like the ability to ping out when you were? Um, part of Razor or, or when you were part of Goons or so in Razor so in Razor it was Razor kind of ran itself separately from Goons to a degree um, they would form like as a Razor as a member of the CFC you could form up to any Goon pings and stuff like that um, but as a Razor FC I could not 
ping to goons. Like, I could not ask for goons. Okay, so you didn't um, do coalition type. No, I wasn't a coalition FC at that point, no. Um, and even, even when I FC'd for goons, I never really rose above, like, skirmish commander for them mm-hmm. to, a, to a real degree. Um, I would backseat uh, uh, you know, major FCs, you know, I would backseat guys that were like mainline FCs and stuff and take over if they'd get wiped off the field and have to go get a new ship and come back and stuff. I would do that kind of stuff from time to time, but I never actually would ping out my own fleets for major engagements and stuff like that. Um, for that, I mean, under Razor, um, you know, we do a lot of fight with, uh, a lot of fights with, uh, Black Legion and stuff when they were, you know, living just south of us in the NPC space up there and everything um you know we'd we'd fight you know do little fights with elo knight you know (laughs) his uh his 40 munins versus our you know whatever fleet that we were running at the time so you know things like that but uh um you know for them i i started out mostly just as a skirmish commander during peacetime and i was kind of like right up to where at the time it was uh uh, Tiburu Stundrift was his name, was the like lead FC for our FC group in Razor. And uh, he was just starting to kind of train me up to do like main fleet comps for Razor and everything when uh, the, the whole Fountain War got announced and we were going to move in and, you know, kick Test out of Fountain and take all the money moons and all <laughs> this kind of stuff. So uh, that moved into that and... Um, that is when I'd say like beyond just the skirmishing and fighting with guys and low sec and small, you know, harassment fleets and whatever over into, uh, intrepid crossing space over in cobalt edge and whatever. Um, that was all fun. That was kind of me getting my training on and, you know, learning the ropes of being an FC, but, uh, like my real interesting FC career, I guess would have started in, in the fountain war. So cool. Yeah. So uh, when you're when you're seeing what's the what's your favorite time type of fleet to take out? Are you kind of the gate camper, or are you the the response? You like seeing what your enemies got? They're flying around your space, and you're like, okay, I know the counter to this. Or are you like the I want to go out and look for trouble type of FC? What's what's your favorite type of FC? So when we were home, when we were when we were back um, at home, I would love to take out harassment fleets against cobalt edge just literally fly into their space and be a dick because i mean most of the i mean most of the time we knew what comps they were coming out with we had like you know spy characters and whatever that would harvest pings and so we would kind of have an idea of what was going on with their planning and stuff like that and so if it was something that was like a real hard counter where it was like okay they got more guys than us or they have enough guys that their counter to our fleet comp is going to be too much to handle, you know, we'd hightail it out of there, of course, because that's what you do. That's strategic, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, try to, a lot of times we try to bait them back into our space to see if we could drop a bigger comp on them kind of a thing. <laughs> um, but just, yeah, just general harassment. Go in there and screw around with their money-making a little bit. You know, try to catch a few ratters off guard or a, a Rorqual that, you know, decided he was going to fly out and collect his cans, you know, or Shit something like that. Shit up local until they actually come on. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. They'd sit on station, you know, whatever, yeah. You know, just, just the fun stuff, so... Um, you know, that was fun. And, uh, but at war, when we were at war, my favorite thing was also more or less kind of being a dick. Um, <laughs> and uh, my favorite stuff was, um, so in Fountain War, 
myself and another skirmish commander, Lyris Nairn, I think. I think his last name was Nairn, but Lyris. Um, you know, we suffered some big losses at the beginning of the Fountain War, and we were having a real hard time making headway. I mean, I don't know how much you remember from those days, but, um, you know, we had, we had been gifted those initial, like, group of systems and stuff from, uh, uh, what's his name, pulling out, the, the one yep. Russian guy, uh, pulling out and, uh, gifted them to us and stuff, but of course we, like, incrementally lost them fairly quick and our <laughs> comps just were not up to snuff as far as like countering what they were doing with the whole uh they were doing the whole drone blobs the sentry oh, yeah. blobs yeah remember? the sentry blobs yeah I we were still those. yeah we were trying to do the whole tech fleet thing with the tfis and you know um tech three ships and everything and it was just getting getting wiped out so it wasn't good <laughs> we were we were losing ground at one point they had i remember they had pushed back pushed us back into cloud ring and tried to attack our staging in cloud ring and we fought them off because then we had our super caps but but, you know, it wasn't wasn't a, a great start to the war. Well, Lyris and I um, were more or less just shooting the shit one night and, uh, you know, talking about what is a way that we could go and grind structures. It may not be the, f- the most fun, like dropping a fleet and duking it out with their defensive fleet and, you know, winning the hand and then taking the system, but ways that we could grind stuff um and then lyris and i could at least entertain people and you know chatting and whatever else or doing whatever stupid stuff and uh we came up with this idea of high dps stealth bombers and then siege fleet was born okay Uh, we ended up talking to k color and refining it he brought the idea to uh our our ship gurus that are responsible responsible for you know maxing out a ship comp to a certain job and so they basically just were like you know max torp damage that's what we're doing that's the goal we're gonna max torp damage and we're just gonna grind structure so we came up with siege fleet um i was running numerous accounts at the time lyris only had the one uh so he became sort of the the face of siege fleet and i became the logistics i uh i ran a blops i ran a sin blops that was just you know loaded with fuel along with a fuel truck a a cloaky covert ops fuel truck that just kept us going and i had uh three to four stealth bombers that were in systems all within jump range but were strategically we would strategically place them at like the optimal amount of gates that it would take to get to us wherever we'd go so that any responding fleet they would try to respond with fast stuff like interceptors or assault frigates and stuff and you know oh, we're only bombers so they try to catch us well we'd all warp back to the the blops cloaked and everyone stay cloaked you know three two one uncloaked jump you know and everyone would jump to the next system well now these guys even though they're an interceptor still got to go six seven gates to get yep. us in the new system and then we just jump to the next system and we make them jump jump all these gates back and forth all around to keep us from hitting their defensive SBUs until their people got so demoralized over a course of several weeks which is kind of what goons are known for <laughs> uh, is wearing you down that their guys just would stop coming out so we would grind SBU SBUs defensive SBUs for hours and then just have uh uh, um, our logistics, you know, goon logistics, GSOL, drop 
new SBUs behind us as we would clear a system. <laughs> and so then by morning, you know, then we would actually reinforce stuff too. We'd we'd use that to reinforce uh, um, iHubs and everything like that as well. And uh, you know, we so that's all we did. We, we and we just basically went back and forth. Now we never really took over any major systems that way that was not you know but that gave that gave us the edge for morale i think in terms of we were having fun i mean we were doing all kinds of crazy stuff with the with the fleet we were doing trivia nights and we were <laughs> we were doing raffles and stuff like that where we're like you know guess guess who the or guess the answer to whatever kind of a thing and whoever wins wins like a tricked out T two interceptor with like you know and one officer mod or some stupid right, crap right. like that you know just just ridiculous stuff you know a faction fit interceptor just stupid fun stuff that kept the fleet entertained while they were just basically circling random structures and shooting them with torpedoes. You know, See, that's that's the smart thing. I, I, I feel like I want to do that at some day where I because I, I personally love gate camping. Like just it feels like I'm fishing, like I'm just sitting there waiting for, for the fish to come in and yeah. and you just gotta sit back and have some beers, but doing like a trivia night and like a giveaway <laughs> and like some stuff because that's basically what we did just a little while ago on, on like May um, eighth or something like that. I, I went out with a bunch of buddies and we, we just were giving away shit while we were gate camping and killing yeah. and stuff like that on Twitch. And it was just a blast. Like, yep. and so that's the kind of stuff that I think really kind of elevates a fleet, uh, and, and a group up to the next level yeah. is when they're not just thinking about, Oh, I want to win the war. I want to fight some stuff. It's like, how do I keep my people entertained? Yeah. Like, well, we even, we even had a really good time. We had one guy that was, that, that would come on occasionally and read erotic, like erotic Star Trek fanfic and crap like that. <laughs> like, I mean, just all kinds of just the most random stuff, but it, it was really entertaining because it was like all these personalities where we have nothing to do except keep each other entertained with our with our lives or whatever stories or whatever kind of stupid antics we could come up with or whatever and it was really it was really entertaining and fun i mean we had a good time on in the meantime really kind of irritated the enemy and on top of that really irritated their allies because the the time zone that they had the real strength in was that AU that early morning US time zone where it's like, you know, right around downtime and stuff like that before yep. before the EU guys are quite up yet. And what they would do is they would bring in NC Dot and Pandemic Legion and they'd have to come in with all of their super caps and stuff and go around and fix all the damage that we just did over the last like 18 hours. Yep. <laughs> you know, so they'd have to run around to all of these timers that we created, clear off all of our SBUs, deal with all of that stuff, and then they'd be done for the day. But they had to constantly do that day after day because we were running this stuff nonstop. I mean, we would be running siege fleets while they were out fixing stuff. You know, it <laughs> did not matter. We were going 24 7. We would like literally take shifts. I mean, there was times where it was like Lyris and I would go for almost 18 hours or you know and stuff like that and then hand you know I'm, I'm my work days off and then hand it off to the next crew that would come on and be like okay well blops has to leave i gotta take off who wants to take over and one of my friends Gul'dan, uh that i became real good friends with oh yeah was Gul'dan, yep, yeah. Well, yep he was one of my one of like the main guys that was you know taking over for me and he was a blops pilot too and stuff and so we would get guys that would you know, run a fuel truck and everything, and he would take over as blops, and the 
show would go on. You know, yep. that's just how it went. You'd, you know, uh, I think uh, if I remember correctly, there's a, I think he still plays actually, Sothrasil. Um, Sothrasil started out being a big Siege Fleet guy with us. He came in during the Siege Fleet era and started taking over that mantle and everything, and it was a lot of fun. And uh, the other thing that I did a lot in Fountain War was um, I would get one of the Razor Titans. A lot of times it was a guy named Baba Z, who was a real funny guy. I liked him a lot. Him, him and I got along when we'd fly together, and uh, um, he would he would park his uh his titan for us to bridge and we'd get together a ragtag group of just amalgamation of ships no real fleet comp just whatever garbage you wanted to bring and i had this super tanked abaddon with just you know nothing but plates and resistances and you know even you know shield extenders and stuff just maxed out with like only three lasers on it just to like (laughs) harass someone kind of a thing and i had a sino and i would literally just fly it down the, the fountain pipe towards their staging system in Losec and just wait for whatever random gate camp they had to bite and then boom, a hundred goons, you know, yes. it's just like, yep. and, ju- and just do hot drops like that and just screw with them that way. I mean, whatever we could just to like harass and have fun and, you know, but that, that really, that really kind of, I think, ground out the war enough that their guys stopped showing up because their fleets progressively over the weeks got smaller and smaller. Less of their guys would respond. Soon they just stopped responding. The only time they would form up was when they had uh, a big enough comp to form up. And so then we started winning stuff like J5A and being able to kind of like gain some Sav territory into Fountain finally. And uh, Siege Fleet actually then was responsible for kicking off the battle Z9PP, the the historic uh, map remapping the node battle of Fountain. So <laughs> yep. um, that that happened uh, because of Siege Fleet. We some someone that was a spy within their logistics group had changed timers around on. Um, on the enemy on their timer system board and so they thought timers on some of the systems were coming out like two hours after they actually came out and so we were in z9pp one night shooting and the um our sbus were um online and we were shooting the ihub and we would do that sometimes because all their iHubs and stuff were timed for that time zone. So a lot of times they'd let one or two of them come out of timer and then they'd form up their super cap fleet and then go and repair everything. Right, yeah. Um, well, we're sitting here and we're shooting the first timer that morning, Z9PP. And we're shooting it, we're shooting it. All of a sudden we're down to like half life on the iHub. And they're not nowhere to be found. Like, this never happens. We're like, where is everyone? Like, we were expecting to get dropped on by supers and we'd all have to scatter like rats like we usually do, you know? No one's coming. We're like, well, we're just going to keep going. Next thing you know, we're getting into structure. And now here comes the first little test dude in uh, (laughs) Interceptor to check on the iHub. And all of a sudden, their ping system goes nuts. And everything's like, oh my god, the iHub's almost dead. They're killing it right now. What happened? <laughs> and later on, we found out that that's what happened. Someone had retimed their iHub timers on the first couple of timers thinking to make them think that they didn't have to form up for two hours after when they really did. 
And so we killed the iHub. We start going for the TCU, and they, they, they emergency scramble just enough, like, carriers, regular carriers and stuff, to get into system to stop us from shooting the TCU and killing the TCU and making the system go blank. <laughs> and uh, they start repping the TCU. They get a... Um, they get a uh, uh, Anshar to come in and drop a new or a new uh, not the Anshar that's the jump freighter you know the obelisk okay yep, comes yep. comes in drops a new iHub they start onlining it we actually had a got a guy that was dropping probes and scanned out the obelisk before he could get out and we killed the obelisk <laughs> and then uh, you know and then they all took off they're like okay job done so they they killed our SBUs job done right. No, because then they left a onlining iHub alone, and oh, no, it's not... still vulnerable. Yep. So they all go to start going on to the rest of their timers like it's all good, right? Lyris and I are like, screw it, let's start shooting this one too. We start grinding it down, and now now we're getting into a EU time zone. The European guys are coming awake, so suddenly our our blops fleet, well, our our, our uh, stealth bomber fleet starts growing. Right, and now we're really starting to apply DPS, you know, in a real <laughs> earnest manner. So the guy, a guy comes back. It's like it's just finishing anchoring. A guy comes back to online it and realizes we're killing the new one, <laughs> and so they panic again. They all of a sudden start coming back with all of their. Now they they left their super cap fleets. Uh, dealing with the other timers, and they just came back with a slow cat fleet with their regular archons and everything. Piled them into system. It was mostly NC dot and PL in one fleet, and then test in their fleet in another. Well, at this point now, you have like our our top FCs at the time, Mister V, and um, you know stuff like that. Lazarus and and uh, Villy at the time was still with goons. You know, guys like that were starting to come online. Our main FCs. And so uh, Lyris and I just start, you know, poking, blitzing Mr. V with messages. Hey, we have this system that's like teed up for destruction. You know, they're they're screwed like right now. Like we're about to kill their second iHub and we need help. They're coming in with, with carriers and stuff. He rushes a character over there, takes a look, and he's like, we're going. This is it. Starts forming up. Uh, we were doing Baltex now. We were doing the, yep, the Megathron okay. fleets. Starts forming up Baltex and the FU fleets, the the um, you know dampener fleets. Yep, I love with, the FU yeah, fleets. Yeah, <laughs> and so we start forming those up. I think we had initially we had two full Baltex fleets. That was Mister V and Laz, and then we had an FU fleet that was uh, being led by someone else, one of the skirmish commanders of the time. Uh, Lyris and I got took the opportunity to start getting all our guys back to the main, to the staging system, to start reforming and main comp ships. Next thing you know, we're just dropping Baltech fleets on the on these slow cat groups. And <laughs> then Z9PP happened, you know, eventually pushed NC and PL off field. They were like, test is on their own, we're out. You know, we're, we're going to take the opportunity to get out because, like, things... We were dampening their drone bunny so hard that they couldn't shoot our battleships. And we started getting to the point where we had a third Baltech fleet on field, and they were syncing up Baltech volleys to such a degree that we were actually volleying carriers off the field. Oh, that's always crazy. Yeah. You got that much firepower yep. on field. Yeah, and so at that point, NC and PL kind of saw the writing on the wall for that fight. 
and they, uh, Mr. V opened a channel. I can't remember who was FCing for them, but uh, opened a channel to them and basically offered them free passage off field on the grounds that they leave the theater of war and that test was now on their own. And <laughs> so then we bubbled tests fleet. We let the bubbles drop on all the NCPL carriers. They warped off and left test test with their entire slow cat fleet in a lurch. And we just started picking them off. And then the map, the, the node remapped and, uh, you know, a, a CCP guy, uh, you know, fat fingered, uh, uh, the wrong yep. key and, you know, remapped the node, the thing crashed. And then we, uh, you know, basically hell camped that, that battlefield for a couple of days while we solidified our, our gains in that corridor and uh, then at that point, it was just basically a slow march through Fountain. You know, they put up a fight here and there with main fleet comps and stuff. But at the end of the day, it was pretty much like, you know, good fight. Thanks for the fight. We'll take this system now. You know, kind of a yep. thing. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, so those, yeah, back in the day, man, those those fights with over high hubs, the way that it could kind of go down. I do have to say that I do miss some of, like, the the way that they've kind of set it up now, kind of like the reason why you left was, you know, there's a, it's all about running after interceptors now instead of, you know, trying to build up these big giant fleets to come fight one solid object, which still happens with the, like, um, the upwells yeah. up that are happening and stuff like that now, which is always kind of nice, which is why M2, you know, happened and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, so, so one of the things that ended up happening is you got into goons, um, and, well, you got into, um, with, you were in, with Amok that was in part of goons that eventually, no, so, right? Or, no, so, um, I was with Razor all the way through the Halloween and the, or the Fountain and then the Halloween War down in, uh, the Southeast where we kicked out N3 and everything. I was with Razor through all of that and I eventually worked myself up where I was a super cap FC all the way. I dropped my super carrier in BTAC R. Um, I oh, was, yeah, yep. I was FCing super carriers with, K color and minus ATOC. Um, you know, the three of us would, you know, swap out, you know, when, I mean, it was a, a whole day fight. So it's one of those things where it's like, you know, people are gone doing whatever in between. And, you know, so somebody else would take over. So we'd cycle through on each other and everything. And, you know, most of that fight was between the Titans anyway. And, you know, we were just, you know, flying around fighters basically racking up kill mails without doing a whole lot of damage but you know it was you know it was still fun and um so i i did that and then after that that's you know halloween war is pretty much the the end of my fcing i did a little bit because uh at the end of that war razor you know had a little bit of a falling out there was kind of like almost like a little bit of a civil war mm -hmm. that happened uh um you know the t grads they went off and did their own alliance uh, Empyrean and uh, um, his group, um, her, uh, H-I-R-R, uh, yep, I've heard it pronounced her and here, so whichever it's <laughs> pronounced actually. Uh, but they, they kind of uh, did a big no-no and tried to do the whole like rallying people to break away from the alliance and stuff like that. And so they were purged with a vengeance. Uh, <laughs> yep. And so I... I um, was responsible for doing a lot of the fleets to purge all of their pos infrastructure and stuff out of our space and you know everything like that so did that but it was that was all mostly just cleanup stuff you know post-war consolidating our assets back home and yep. everything and then once that was over that's when i joined goons and 
and I uh, I didn't go to AMOC. I joined over to um, uh, um, while well, I'm all of a sudden having a a, a senior moment here. But uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I was with. Uh, I'm totally blanking. Um, Check it real quick if we go to <laughs> your keelboard. Well, I know... Uh, so, like, some of the guys I was flying with was uh, um, Scooter McCabe. Um, Gul'dan was in that corp. I mean, that was the, the big reason why I joined up with him. Um, what is Eve who? There Let's is. see. There you go. Um... You know, when I joined up uh, with them, I was I was flying around with them. Sundering. Sundering. Was. Yes. yes. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've never been part of AMOC. I don't even know why. No, 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 that. no. Yeah, I was never part of AMOC. Yeah, I, I was with Sundering. So um, joined up with Sundering. Um, you know, that, like I said, Gul'dan, he was like, he became my main number two swapping out for Blops and the Siege Fleets and stuff. Him and I became real good friends, both in real life uh, with the Goon Meets. Yep, yeah, um, I remember yep. meeting him at and Goon Meets. I always found it really interesting because my last name is is, is Gul'dan. It's right, right. G-U-L-D-A-N. Yeah. Um, we pronounce it in the family Golden, um, yeah. or just Gul- Golden because that's just, you know, it makes Easier. it simpler. Yeah. Yeah, and then, uh, but I remember meeting him, and I remember being like, you have a last name in Eve Online. Yeah. Like, literally, my business is called Golden Golden Age Stories. Yeah, right. And so I, I really want to get him on onto the the uh, show here at some point, just to be like, where did you get that name? Uh, <laughs> like, I mean, I could definitely see if I can get a hold of him for you. I mean, him and I we haven't talked for a long time. Um, you know, he quit Eve before I did. Um, and then, uh, we just kind of sort of lost touch. He had, he had, uh, he, he was in the military. Um, he served overseas and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, he ended up having, having, you know, some issues on his own that he had to deal with and stuff. I know you moved back home for a while to kind of rebalance himself and everything. And so we kind of lost touch. Um, but yeah, I can see if I can reach him out, reach out to him and, you know, cause he, he's got a lot of stories like that too, you know, doing the siege fleets and all that kind of stuff. Uh, cause he was like kind of my number two guy. Like we really kind of worked it together as a partnership with, you know, like he came on and then, you know, he joined me and Lyris and we all kind of became a pretty close knit group. And, uh, him and I actually ran a lot of skirmish fleets, uh, in the Halloween war over in like scalding pass and stuff taking out um, N3 money moons, like, you know, the R64s, R32s, and stuff like that, and then throwing our own towers up on them and stuff to, yep. to deny income <laughs> and everything. So uh, then him and I would run siege fleets and stuff into their into their main spaces and everything and, you know, start doing siege fleet all over again. And we did a lot of that. And then we would do, like, uh, you know, skirmish fleets, mess with some of the uh, renters that were brave enough to form up against us and everything. Thing, uh, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, him and I played together for a long time, and it was it was a good deal. But uh, yeah, I remember um, him being really cool when I talked to him at yeah. the Goomp. Yeah, he was the one that that lured me into Sundering. Um, <laughs> you know, I became friends with uh, Scooter McCabe, and him and I are still very good friends to this day. Um, every year we take a trip out to Vegas together. Uh, we talk online practically every day, basically. Um, you know, I mean, we're him and I we're like you know best friends. We're we're Eve brothers, you know, kind of a thing. So Scooter McCabe and I were still really good friends. Um, you know, and we keep in touch. Um, but yeah, Sundering, that became pretty much my home through the rest of my Eve career. 
uh, you know, that, that became the place I was, so... So when you joined up uh, with Sundering, and eventually you became uh, like you started helping with a lot of the uh, the goon meets, um, yeah. like the, the the monthly goon meet. How did how did that all start? How did you get involved in, in so, organizing that? So originally, um, the goon meets were a, like kind of a uh, a biannual event that was being held by the Goon Swarm's former logistics director, Archimena. Um, she was kind of the one that, that, uh, was running those and she literally just ran them out of, it was a house party. It was, she ran them out of her house twice a year, you know, get together in the summer and once in the winter. And, you know, we get a bunch of people up to the frozen tundra here in Madison and, you know, watch people from the South freeze and laugh, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, then during the summer have a nice, you know, backyard barbecue and whatever else. And, um, you know, so that was how it was for a long time, but, uh, she ended up um, getting a new job that with the state uh, that kind of prohibited her from really holding the parties in a way that we'd want to hold them. I mean, she couldn't she couldn't really afford any chance of any police interaction because mm-hmm. then it would like be called into question with her being a state employee and what she was Not doing. Not that you've stuff. had police interaction, no, no, but no, you but, still don't but want to risk. But anything, like yeah. noise complaints or right, whatever. Exactly. She, There's she, multiple reasons yeah, why any, any reason, Yeah, and it doesn't even have to be anything that's like, you know, legally questionable or nothing like that. Like literally any kind of police interaction, she was required to report that to her job and everything like that. So she just didn't want to deal with it anymore too much of a risk you didn't want to be reliable you know liable for you know if people did like say leave her house and they were drunk and they tried to drive or something like that Mm -hmm. and you know if somehow she was found responsible for that interaction like just so many possibilities that it just wasn't worth it to her on a personal level anymore totally understand it um so she backed away from that um you know is how that ended up working out to you know, what I remember. And I had been going to those meets for a few years at that point. Uh, got to be good friends with the Matani and everything. You know, he, he always showed up to those meets too. And, you know, a lot of the a lot of the main leadership, you know, a nominate and all that would all show up to those. So got to be really good friends with all of them, first name basis and everything. And um, then we started, they started, Alex wanted to start doing these uh, monthly meets so we started doing these monthly meets in Madison, and we started it in Madison, uh, where every month, it was uh, the third Thursday of the month is how we started it out. You know, everyone, we're getting together here. It was this uh, place called Atomic Koi, this bar over on the west side of Madison that we'd all get together. And, you know, there was a, a waxing and waning group anywhere from, you know, four or five people all the way up. I think we had at one point like 10, 11 people that showed up one time. Yep, I was um, one of the, the regulars. I yep, try, and, try yep. and make it to as many as I could. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was always a blast. Um, it, it was interesting because you guys even opened it up to like the ev- general, general online community. community. Yeah. It was yeah. it wasn't a just goons yeah. only only the the special members or anything like that. It was literally like you're just some Eve pilot who lives in high sec has no idea who Mintani is. 
no idea who goons are or what's going on at all in the greater community, but you hear about a local leave meet, and you can come down and hang out with some of the biggest names in Eve Online. Yep. And we, and yeah, we did. We, we opened up a handful of them. Like, it was kind of a periodic thing. We would advertise one every once in a while on, like, the forums or whatever and, you know, come out and hang out with us kind of a thing. And we actually recruited people into goons that way. You know, people oh, would yeah. come out and meet us. And, you know, a, you know, a lot of them wouldn't be null suckers. They would be people from whatever high sec group or low sec or you know something like that or or a null sec group that was living in npc space or you know something like that and they would come out and meet us you know from somewhere in the wisconsin general area you know and um you know yeah then all of a sudden next thing you know they're a goon you know because it's like you get to know us and <laughs> that's how goons got fun. me it was like uh, one of the goop parties that i went to uh um dodd calm invited me yep. in and he was like I, at the time i was running my own corporation x meta who eventually turned into fed up after i handed it off to pyro and he built them guys up and i remember going to that that party and coming back to the corporation like the next day or something and being like sorry guys Pyro's now in charge of everything, and I'm out now. Like, it's been a lot of fun. We were kind of waning at that time. Um, I kind of regret, to a certain degree, completely giving up the corp, because Pyro at the time was like, well, you should keep the corp, and you can just put your ult in here, and instead of giving me the full reins of everything, like, we still have stuff going on, and, you know, like... Uh, but they they went on to do really great. Um, they they recently have had some some issues. I've heard uh, some of their space got burned recently as as the war was happening over in Delve. There was you know people going around burning down homes while oh, yeah. they were trying to burn down a home. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it was it was that was one of the ways that got me right. Like immediately when I found out that there was a real human community not just this online anonymous trolling of insanity that you know most groups are in general mm. just you know you don't you you can kind of make friends with somebody online and i mean i i guess i've got a few friends right now that i'm making really good you know and i've made really good friends with people across all over the world just from playing eve online but when you all of a sudden have a a, a real community that's hanging out and doing stuff in your city it changes everything. Oh, yeah. Like... <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that that is really what kind of... I mean, at the time when I first started going to the Goon Meets, I, that, I was still in Razor, you know, and um, I met Gul'dan at one of the Goon Meets then in person. Like, we'd already been friends kind of online doing the FC stuff with the Siege Fleets and everything. Um, but then it was at one of Archimedes' parties that we both were like, you know, I, I'm like, I'm going up to the goon meet. You should come up and, you know, we'll just crash in a hotel room together and split a room and, you know, we'll become friends. And, you know, so that's what we did. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's uh, there's some serious friendships that I've forged over the years by doing just these goon meets, you know. Yep. Um, and, and we were talking before about, I don't remember if it was, I don't think it was on Phil, or on, on the show, but uh, we were talking before about the concept of how goons build up their leadership, not just by, you know, oh, now that you're part of leadership, you get to come to this special meeting. It's, you know, come to our meetings and hang out with us and then you can kind of develop into leadership by doing that. Right, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's there is a lot of networking that goes on at those parties. You know, guys come in and it's like, hey, you know, 
I run multiple jump freighters and blah, 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 blah. Well, you should go talk to so-and-so over there. They're the head of GSAW, you know, yep. and everything. <laughs> they go over there and talk with them. Next thing you know, they got six more freighters, jump freighters, working for GSAW, bringing in supplies, fueling the war machine. You know, like, that's that's how a lot of that stuff would happen. And next thing you know, that guy becomes, you know, like a subdirector where he's like, you know, he's in charge of this fueling all the pauses in this region or whatever. You know, like, they... That stuff grew because now there was that trust value. There was that, you know, I've seen you face to face. We have shook hands, looked each other in the eye and said, you are my friend. And now we have that that bond, you know, right. it's like you're we're looking forward to six months from now when we meet at the next one. You know, we're making plans already for the future. Right. And so Not making have, an unbreakable bond, but making but right. such an unbelievably more stronger bond than just, just some some yeah. voice over the internet. Here's my avatar, trust me. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and so uh yeah, that was it was a great experience. And um, you know, so we started doing the monthly meets uh i talked to i had some experience with organizing different things um you know i i from back in the day when i was younger and uh you know did like some punk rock stuff and you know whatever else but <laughs> yep. you know doing uh you know helping you know organize some stuff and uh, so i had some experience with with getting things together making some plans and whatnot and i i offered to try to expand it so then i expanded it where i put you know pings out and feelers to the goon community about would you like to open up a goon a monthly goon meet in your area sort of a thing and yep, I remember so then we got started. yeah so then we got multiple goon meets going around the country for a while um and some of them persisted for quite a while and uh you know we i built like a little bit of an infrastructure where if people gave me the details of their meet I would ping it out on like a weekly basis so that people would know. And people commented about how they people would show up and they say, "Hey, I saw the ping. I never knew that we did things like this." And you know, build yep. build their own communities and all that stuff within our greater goon family, sort of a deal. And then um, when Arcamino decided to stop doing the the biannual the bigger event i mean at those we had like a real solid i mean it wasn't just the 10 goons it was 60 goons yeah it was, 70 it goons, was you solid know, amount packed of into people. a house you know coming from all thing. over like we had people coming yeah. from from oh, across Canada, the pond yeah like. all that kind of stuff yeah we had we had a couple guys that would come over from yeah from england and stuff like that so yeah people from all over the place and uh it was a great time and when she wasn't going to do it anymore um alex and i were talking at one of the months meets in Madison here about you know it's kind of the end of an era or is it the end of an era kind of a thing and you know what are we going to do about it and I just said well I'm like I can I can do that too I can you know plan a, a meet and we'll try it out so <clears throat> the first monthly or the first biannual one that we attempted to do separate from this house party thing was here in Madison because it was familiar it was home territory you yep. know we felt a little safe we both talked about it. We felt a little safer doing it in home territory. We know the environment. We know the bars. We know the community. We're good, you know. Yep. And so we basically picked a hotel, 
Um, I got us a room block there at like a little bit of a discount and everything. Basically, the kind of like a, a um, you know exorbits you know yep. room discount kind of a thing you know sort of a deal and uh, you know got people packed into the rooms and enough people were coming still that were interested and now it was smaller it was probably about half the size of Archimedes. Um we had probably about like thirty to thirty five or whatever um, <clears throat> but there was also a lot of people that would come to Ark's house that were just her personal friends from board gaming and stuff like that too so that was kind of something we already knew that the the goon meets would were get gonna get smaller for a while yep and they may even stay that way you know um you know people aren't necessarily gonna travel and take and take off days or you know something like that for their internet spaceship friends you know <laughs> some people do um but we got the the always the majority of the people that were there typically were locals of wherever we were right, but that's yeah. but that's fine too because now we're what was interesting about this is before it was always in madison because it was always at ark's house now we could take the goon meets on the road right. and we could go to other cities and get people that are too ner that would be otherwise too nervous i mean one of the great tropes of you know, the game is we're a bunch of introvert, you know, <laughs> mouth breathers sitting behind computer screens with our, you know, uh, internet autism. You know what I mean? So it's you know, a little like, harder to bring us, bring us all the way to a whole different city, but bring us out of the house might be possible. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Trying to get someone, you know, to come out across multiple state lines and stuff and, you know, spend that money to do that was questionable, you know, for them. And I get that 100%. We're a bunch of internet spaceship people. You don't know us necessarily. That's part of the whole, That's the whole glory point, of the right. Goon Meets is getting to know people. Um, so, but by being able to take them on the road now, uh, it was kind of this, instead of the end of an era, it was a new chapter. And so we were able to do that. So we did Madison first to be comfortable. And people showed up, you know, and not just people that were here locally, there was some people that showed up that still showed up from out of state. And so we're like, okay, this could be a real thing. So then we decided to do Milwaukee next because I'm from the Milwaukee area and I know that area. So we did yep. Milwaukee next. And we actually got even more people that came from out of state to the Milwaukee one because the Madison one, we did such a good job of hyping it in. Like we start, we had a Telegram chat going. Yep, and we, yeah, the, and the Telegram was originally meant for E-Vegas for goons. But we started hammering it because these people were people that were willing to come to Vegas to do a goon meet. Now, granted, it was put on. It was I had the official label of CCP right, at right. the time and all that. So there was some safety to it. But we kind of felt like, or at least I did, that if we blitzed enough stuff of showing us as people having fun and you know pictures of the group and drinking and you know having carrying on and having a blast in that group, those people would be like, wait, you know, it may not be held by CCP. But I recognize these people. These are people I see at Vegas. These are my people. You know, I could go to these things too. And so we started getting more people showing up to those. And then we did uh, Tampa. Um, and then we always came back. Madison kind of still was our home. So we kind of would come back to Madison in the summer. And so we kind of developed this thing where it was like south in the winter, you know, yep. and then, uh, you know, snowboard, snowbird it and then come back to Madison in the winter and, 
Um, so we got a, we got a few years out of that before then the pandemic hit and you know that then it's it's been done since then and uh, you know I haven't I haven't had contact really with uh, um, with the Matani with Alex uh, since the beginning of the pandemic. Um, so, cause I haven't, I haven't been playing Eve right. since before the beginning of the pandemic and stuff. So it's not like I, you know, were to talk to him and Jabber or something like that either. I don't even have access to it anymore, um, to like send out pings for good meat. So if we were ever to get that off the ground again in any kind of a way, um, I'd have to like re up access to everything <laughs> and all that stuff. So, um, I mean, we'll see what happens in the future. I'm not opposed to it. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, would it necessarily be worth the effort? Is there the, is there really the, uh, interest in continuing on with it kind of a thing at this point? I don't know. We'll see. I mean, if, uh, at some point Alex or someone from, you know, leadership reaches out or, you know, whatever through whatever channels or means, I mean, then uh, maybe I'd be, you know, I'd be up to it. But uh, in the meantime, I mean, there's still a number of the guys from the local Madison meet that we've been getting together now, um, not every month like we used to, but kind of every other month and getting together for like a Sunday breakfast and stuff like that and, you know, kind of carrying on and, you know, doing uh, doing our thing again. So, um, yeah. it's been good. It's been well, good. Well, if you guys do start back up anything, I definitely want to come and hang out. Um, that's for sure. Um, and, and I'll make sure, you know, we can broadcast it over my stuff too. So <laughs> yeah, no, I would definitely, uh, you know, do a, do a gaming session or something, you know, do yeah. a board, board game session. I mean, we've done that a couple times too. We've gotten together at, at one of the houses and, you know, had like a little, basement board gaming session while having beers and just kind of hanging out so yeah no yeah i've had some i've also had some good times just hanging out with mentani and playing some really good board games with him um there's uh, it's unbelievable how many people play board games and you don't think that they would be like a big huge board game or 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 role-playing nerd uh, yeah like there's there's definitely a lot of goons out there it's kind of interesting how to a certain degree there, there was seemed to be like a time period and i don't know if it's true still today but that that RPing and Eve was very poo-pooed upon and very much like, Wah. but then the same people going, yeah, like that, go to a local LARP yeah. and like do the most nerdiest of nerd LARPs that, <laughs> that can yeah. possibly exist. Well, and, and that's, uh, you know, I mean, we're all nerds at heart. I mean, you can't play Eve online and not be some, some level of nerd. Right. You know what I mean? So, I mean, the amount of... Uh, I mean, you know, what do they call it? Spreadsheets and space, for Christ's sake. Right. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, you, you, you have to be into that to, to really, you know, appreciate it and everything. So, yeah, it's not surprising to me that there's a lot of crossover with those communities and, you know, everything like that. So it's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot. Of, it's a real good time. I mean, poker. Poker's a lot of poker players out there. I really feel sad when they when they had to shut down all the casinos and the poker's rooms went away because it was so fun to play poker for billion isk because it felt like that was a lot of money when it's really only like <laughs> yeah. 10 bucks yeah. but like you know i've gotten to much bigger pools and but i mean but i'm sweating when i'm like oh but with 10 bucks i'm like eh, whatever you know yeah I'll, maybe i'll make some money maybe i won't right if i get five billion isk at the end of the night holy crap man <laughs> i hear you uh, but yeah, so it looks like we're coming up on a little bit over an hour here. Um, I like to kind of give you kind of a segment, though, where if you've got any shout-outs that you want to, um, anything that you want to talk about, any projects that you have um, upcoming, 
basically kind of opened the floor for you to kind of talk about whatever you want or shout out to anybody that you want to shout out to. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of the guys I shouted out as we went on, you know, I mean, my friend Battle Harden, I actually just went down to Florida to, uh, and, and hung out with him for a bit. He, he lives down in Florida now. Um, you know, he moved from Wisconsin. So, uh, I actually was just down there last month. Um, you know, me and, uh, uh, I, I actually, after like after my FCing days, two of the guys that I formed up with had their own corp called Dream Team. It was like just an industrial corp. We were making lots of titans and stuff, um, you know. But uh, Captain Barra, um, he's my friend from Milwaukee. We went down to see our our friend Joe um, that uh, lives in Florida. And then while I was down there, I went from one side of the state to the other to hang out with my friend battle and you know catch up with him again and everything like that so shout out to them for sure uh you know and then like if you know Gul'dan ever happens across this you know <laughs> yeah but yeah just all those guys i mean they they were all you know a big part of uh you know a big part of my life i mean a big part of you know i that's just my life. Yeah, I mean, like, that's just what it was. I mean, Eve was my life for quite a while. I mean, that's it was a big part of what I did and, and who I was. I mean, now, uh, basically mostly what I'm doing now, um, I'm really kind of honestly waiting and hanging out for the uh, Diablo 2 Resurrected. I'm, I'm, oh, real, yeah. I'm real excited yep. for that. So uh, me and my cousins and stuff are ready to uh, get back to our, our teenage years and, you know, relive a little bit of that because uh, we all, that was our hardcore game when we were teenagers. We all, all me and my cousins played that, so we all are ready to go. We've all, like, pre-purchased it and everything. We're, we're ready to play that. So one of my buddies took, like, two weeks off of school when when Diablo 2 came out and was like, I'm sick playing, like, <laughs> Diablo 2 for oh, two yeah. weeks. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's great. I mean, we're really looking forward to that. Um, uh, right now, in the meantime, um, primarily I'm mostly playing a, a, a Paradox title called Surviving Mars. Um, I still play some Stellaris here and there. I know that's like a big popular game with the EVE crowd, yep. you know, as like a side yep. game. Um, still Major changes that came to, yeah. to that game as well. Espionage, yeah. finally. So I haven't played since they've released that. Um, I, I um, That's the... That's the newest uh, update that I that I haven't gotten into yet. I, I stopped or I haven't stopped, but me and my friend Captain Barra we play so intermittently that you know sometimes you know it's a while. It's a great multiplayer it. game. It's one of those games it that is. I feel like I don't really play it single player anymore, and yeah. I know a lot of people do, and I'm not I'm not saying no, that people yeah. don't. I'm just saying that. It's gotten to a point with me that because I play every Thursday right now of a Stellaris game, it's like, okay, I don't want to play unless I'm playing with other people. Like <laughs> I've honestly, I've always had a really hard time playing a game that has a multiplayer mode and enjoying single player. Like, I, I just can't do it. Like, I, I've always found, I, I am a social person, I'm outgoing, hence the goon meat stuff, you know, and everything like that. I have no problems getting to meet. I, I clearly have no problems talking. <laughs> um, you know, I'll, I'll talk your ear off. But, uh, you know, I, I play a, a game that has a multiplayer, I just want to play that multiplayer. I'm going to beat it to death. I love playing with other people. So, yep. um, I, uh, I, that's how I go. So like I've, I've literally, I've never played Stellaris single player ever. Wow. I've only ever played. That's a feat. Yeah. I've only ever played with other people. I've always played with cap, mostly captain Barra, uh, him and I, we live like 15 minutes from each other. So we'll even sometimes like I'll bring my laptop over and we'll play it just side by side. 
outside or whatever. But, you know, a lot of times we'll just play it chatting online while we're doing whatever um, around the house and um, yeah, play that. Uh, we played a couple games with our friend Scooter, Scooter McCabe. Um, yep. You know, he's still a good friend of ours, like I was saying. Him and I go on vacation together and stuff like that. So uh, he's played rounds with us before. Um, but, yeah, that's more sporadic. I, I For a while I've been playing the Surviving Mars game um, from Paradox. That's It's a lot of fun. It's a blast. I mean, it was basic when it started out like most paradox games yeah. but they you know they slowly build on it and i would say that they are a very good company at building on a good concept over time you yep. know and so they've added really good add-ons to the game um one of the most recent ones is the green planet add-on where you can now terraform mars nice. um you know and uh it's challenging i always loved sim city when i was a kid it was one of my favorite games yeah, me was too. Like the city building games i played up to like the sim city 3000 and that yep. i think that was the last sim city game i really played at all um you know and then um I, I was always kind of on the lookout for another title that was along those lines but didn't like bore me or have broken mechanics or something like right, that because yep. um, the sim titles after that the sim titles just kind of went to crap in my personal opinion yeah, at, least, they... at least for me um but uh then i, I yeah <laughs> I, I was I just randomly decided I really want to play a city building game, something like that. I mean, I, I play I played Empire Earth and the uh, Age of Empires and stuff like that, which have so, uh, to a degree a uh, uh, aspect of that, but they're also kind of like a military strategy game. Yeah, it's almost more, about more blowing like up the enemy. Yeah, and almost more like resources. a command and conquer type thing, which I love those games yes. too. You know, but uh, remastered command and conquer is yes. also really, really, really well good. done. Yeah, I, yeah, it's it is really good. I really um, want them to. Do a Tiberian Sun remake. That That's what amazing. I'm waiting for. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I um I, I really enjoy the Surviving Mars game, but I, that's what I did. I just literally went on YouTube one day and just was like, you know, city building games kind of a thing and just watched a couple videos of people reviewing like 10 city building games at a time and, uh, you know, just kind of was scoping them out. And then I seen this Surviving Mars from Paradox, and I'm like, well, I do like a lot of Paradox titles seem to be up my alley, so maybe they did this good too, and I, I enjoyed it. It's, uh, I actually got Scooter McCabe hooked on it uh, like a week ago. He uh, Is it multiplayer? Or? No, it's okay. single player. It's only single um, player. Yeah, it's single player, but... Uh, yeah, he uh, he has since for about a week cursed my name for uh, introducing him to this crack, this new this new line of cocaine that he's hitting right now, because um, it's it is very entertaining. You're it's it's like SimCity on hard mode, because I mean there's so many different dynamics to the game, different events that happen. You know, you have disasters in SimCity. There there's disasters in this Surviving Mars where it's like Okay, instead of a volcano, you got meteors. Instead of a tornado, you got dust devils. Instead of a hurricane, you got uh, dust storm, you know, cold waves and stuff like that. So that pose different challenges. And on top of it, you're doing it in an environment where you got to produce you know, uh, water and oxygen and, you know, stuff like that. Like, <laughs> the whole, you know, the whole shabam yeah, to make uh, you live. All of the resources, you got to produce them and you have to produce them in sufficient quantities to keep your colonists alive on top of trying to build based on, you know, population growth and influx of new colonists. And it, it, there's so many dynamics kind of coming at you, especially early. It's almost like one of those games where, 
it's actually harder at the beginning because you're you're starting from scratch and you're trying to build this infrastructure and everything while also trying to keep up with you know the the inhabitants and stuff that you're trying to pump onto this colony and everything um and trying to keep it stable um it, it really poses a challenge and makes it interesting and then throwing this whole uh green planet dynamic into it where you're trying to terraform and um and and everything is really interesting because now you're you know changing the ecology of the planet as uh you know the little dune reference there yep uh and uh they um they make it interesting so i mean eventually you get to the point where you can actually take the domes down because the uh planet is habitable you know and everything and now you got this like free-ranging society sort of a thing it's interesting it's very entertaining and the amount the the replayability is good because there's a dozen or so different uh i guess space agencies you would call them that you can do in each space agency as different uh positives and drawbacks they will have special buildings or special vehicles that help in different ways but then they'll have drawbacks on you know power generation or they'll have a drawback on like it it takes longer for rocket supply missions from earth to reach you so some of those rocket supply missions can be real crucial at the beginning as you're trying to carefully balance advanced resources that you can't produce on the planet yet because you're just trying to get basic stuff off the ground and so you're trying to bring those in to keep your basic stuff that runs off of advanced resources for maintenance but you can't produce those resources yet so you've got to periodically <laughs> bring those in and if it's i mean you know if all of a sudden your shuttle's taking twice as long because this particular space agency's got crap fuel efficiency or whatever they say about it you know it, it can make the difference between you know suddenly you know your dome's going down and stuff like that so it's it uh it does it poses an interesting dynamic it keeps you on your toes each time you you know replay the game as a different agency and if you put like random events on and there's you know a dozen or so different like you know events that can happen from you know aliens coming down and stealing supplies off of the different uh, uh deposits on the planet so that you have less supplies on those deposits to harvest from you know all the way to uh you know disasters and you know things like that so it's it's real interesting it, it keeps it keeps it fun so cool yeah i'll have to take a look at that i know that uh, i was looking at it when it was in beta and I just I haven't gotten around to it as of late. But yeah, definitely we'll have to take a look into that and see what that uh, looks like here. Um, so uh, we'll go ahead and wrap it on up here. Um, definitely, you know, I think we should get you back on the show sometime down the line, especially if we get uh, some EVE Online meets uh, kind of going on here and just kind of continue, you know, lots, lots of stories to talk about. I think the next kind of phase of what I'm, my plans are with people that I've already had interviews with is kind of go into the storyteller mode and try and pick out like three or four epic stories of, of stuff that you've kind of done um, and kind of go into a deep dive on those stories. But, sure. uh, but yeah, it's been awesome having you on here onto the show, uh, Rowden, and definitely look forward to uh, seeing if we can get some more uh, goops going on here in Madison or in, in anywhere. I'm always, now that I have money, I can go, <laughs> I can try, I can, I can go anywhere I want these days. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I mean, we did, uh, <laughs> we traveled uh 
Tampa. We did one in Austin, and we were actually just about to do one in Philly. Uh, a friend of mine, also from Eve, Robert, uh, he was uh, going to be doing one in Philly, and he was getting kind of all geared up and was planning it and was getting stuff in motion, was doing kind of what I taught him, like connecting with locals in the area to find out the you know ideal places to hit and you know stuff that's not necessary that's kind of like off the path from the tourist stuff and into like you know this is the locals place that you know locals know about and yep. you know different things like that finding the gems that people really enjoy uh and was in the middle of doing all that and was getting people ready to go and then pandemic you know, yep. you know covid hit so it was kind of uh, kind of put the kibosh on that so yeah, but we're hopefully getting towards the end of all that craziness now, so hopefully down the road we will see the world go back to somewhat of what we consider to be normal, although, to tell you the truth, the world is not in a normal place if you if you look into it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for coming on to the show. Um, make sure, and thank you all for listening. Make sure to check out our new website, theageofstories.com. Um, we'll provide links for our other episodes, projects, links to our friends, and much, much more. Um, thank you all for watching, and have a great night. Thanks for having me.